Hi there, come up on the porch. We're just sitting here watching it rain and talking about Louisiana. I'm Bryce McGee. I'm Steve Payne. And this is the Louisiana Anthology Podcast, episode 501 for December 24th, 2022. Welcome back. And uh, to give us something special in our stocking this year, we have Ed Branley coming back to uh, talk about Merliton, um, Merliton, 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 <laughs> you can see it Merlitons, but, uh, the proper French way is, I think, Militon. Uh, so anyway, uh, it's a kind of pear looking vegetable. In fact, they used to call it vegetable pear, um, but it's a staple in, um, Thanksgiving and Christmas celebrations down in New Orleans. And I think other parts along the south, but never has caught on up here. But I tell you, I've got, I made some at Thanksgiving. They were quite the hit and I'm making some more for Christmas Eve party. So, um, I'll let y'all know, but yeah, people like it. Um, we use, uh, I use, uh, Lola's Eli's, uh, uh, uh stuffed Merliton, Militon, um, recipe, His recipe? Yeah. which is available online if you want to look it up, but there are a lot of good ones. Anyway. It's a lot easier to find a recipe than an actual Millie Tom. So we'll talk <laughs> they're, to they're, Ed. They're, I mentioned, you know, to Ed that my aunt cooked with those things. They were her family were all German Cajuns, you know, and uh, the, the the Germans that had intermarried intermarried with Cajun families, and and I had never seen them when I was a kid until she was showing off some to my to my to my parents. Oh, and, cool. Yeah, and, and she she referenced them specifically. She said Melaton first, and then she said it's a vegetable pear. Vegetable right, pear. Right, right. So, yeah, she called it what you had just said. Yeah, the Americans tried to redesignate it, but it didn't get very far. <laughs> anyway, now for, uh, we'll talk to Ed in a minute, but first, this week in Louisiana history. So, this week in Louisiana history, we're moving close to a very famous day in Louisiana history. On uh, December 24th, 1814, the Treaty of Ghent signed was signed, ending the War of 1812, and of course, within about two or three weeks of that, the Battle of New Orleans takes place in early 1815 after the treaty was already signed. Right. Um, yeah, and I don't think the British would have, you know, if they had caught, uh, captured New Orleans, I doubt they would have given it back just because of a treaty. So it was an important battle. Nobody ever said it wasn't until maybe the 20th century. Uh, no, and there was a fear at, by the governor, you know, because this is the early days of Louisiana statehood. And so Governor Claiborne, our first governor, was fearful that they would, uh, you know, mount a second assault against the city. Well, yeah. They went out with guns blazing uh, down the Mississippi River, again, to the Gulf, firing on the forts down there. And so they were afraid that, you know, the governor was afraid, in fact, so much so he called up the state militia, the forerunner of the guard, uh, to defend the uh, defend the city in the event that there were, you know, a second attack. Well, um Jackson didn't lift martial law until the British left the Gulf. You know, he was ready. Yeah. You know, he wasn't going to get caught with his, uh, you know, flat footed. But they had a lot more soldiers than we did. The problem was we had killed their officer class. And exactly. Nobody wanted to, uh, you know, get out in the front firing line again. Well, now for this week in New Orleans history. Stinger, boxer, and auto mechanic Lee Dorsey is born in New Orleans on D20, December 24th, 
1924. Wow, that's an auspicious day. Um, well, now for this week in Louisiana. So this week in Louisiana, we highlight the New Orleans Christmas Fest from December 17th through the 30th. Uh, celebrate Christmas in New Orleans. Now in its ninth year, New Orleans' most exciting indoor holiday attraction is back. Packed with indoor family fun, this delightful family tradition features almost 300,000 square feet of rides, giant ice slides, a, a real ice skating rink, and holiday decor that is sure to jumpstart any family into the holiday spirit. Uh, New Orleans Christmas Fest, presented by Coca-Cola, is a dazzling, family-friendly seasonal event, offering your group the perfect opportunity to get into the holiday spirit, make a little joy, and spread a little cheer. Experience a real ice, indoor ice skating rink, ice slides, carnival rides, Santa and friends, gingerbread houses, decorated trees, and more. Convenient parking is nearby. Uh, it mentions here something about plans for 2021. That, that probably should be 2022, right? Right, it should, yeah. Let's hope. Uh, do we have a website? Yeah, we do have a website for that, so mm -hmm. you can check that out and get some more information if you'd like. And it's not too late. No, no, it'll still be running. You know, through almost to New Year's, uh, almost to New Year's Eve. So yeah, we're doing our Natchitoches trip on the twenty sixth to see the lights, and you know, not not much in the way of crowds, so it's easy to get around. Now for this week's <clears throat> postcard from Louisiana. Our annual Christmas tradition of Robert Middleton uh, reciting his uh, poem, The Shepherd, A Christmas Play. The Shepherd, A Christmas Play, 1951, Saline, Louisiana. Outside the country, church's open door, closed on the growing cold of Christmas Eve, I waited. The other shepherds gone before till summoned by an angel child to leave those early stars peeking sheepishly from night, I swung my golden crozier over them and entered into a world of warmth and light, walking the pinewood aisle to Bethlehem. First grandson of the town's first family, I heard the city of David as I came to stand beside the manger, and to me, the psalms and gospels mingled in my name. Behind us in the dark, I just could see the painted Jordan sliding on its tide into the waters of the baptistry, where a thirsty lamb had curled away and died. The pageant quickly ended, though we prayed before the baby Jesus' doll-like face, candy canes, mint tea, and lemonade, luring even Mary from her place. Then running out to play among the dead, I saw our family plot through ghostly breaths, the long, low wall enclosing at its head an infant son. There were no other deaths. Yet like a shepherd boy whose single sheep is lost as prey, I sat on that low wall as on a sheepfold fighting off a sleep in which I still could hear the slain lamb's call. David, David, the stiff grass made me shake as my grandfather, nudging me with his cane, slung me over his shoulder half awake 
and took me limply home to bed again. That was long ago, and now alone above the Suddeth graves, so silent in the grass, where once a boyish shepherd out of love tried not to fall asleep and let death pass, I tear green blades from epitaphs grown old, wearing out the night whose herdsman searches on till each lost star is gathered in the fold. The Lord is my shepherd. Thy will be done. Now on to our interview with Ed Branley. Well, if you look at of all the different kinds of uh, melaton, they are, um, you know, many shapes, many colors. Some have spines, some don't. Uh, but the only kind I've ever had were in New Orleans, and they tend to be pear-shaped uh, in green, um, in those spikes, at least the ones I've always seen in the store. That's that's correct. As a matter of fact, I uh, I stopped it at at supermarket yesterday. I shopped at uh, at Zapato's Family Supermarket on Veterans and Mattery. Yeah, but they're all the time. Oh yeah, Zapato's. They the uh, the original the 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 the, the, the patriarch founder of the family was a banana man, and he settled oh, wow. down in Gentilly, opened the first supermarket at Gentilly and Elysian Fields, and then of course, like every other, you know, Exodus. Sicilian exodus to the suburbs. They ended up out in in um, in Mattery, and I I was looking at I, I was you know you you walk through the produce. It's just the, the their shout out to the family is they actually have a banana wagon in the produce uh, section. I with didn't a know fiberglass that. I'm so happy you told me that because I just thought it was something set up to look like a you know. I didn't know it, it went back. Uh, yeah, like it's just some kind of generic New Orleans kind of thing. But no, that's how that's how old uh, the original. There's been several Josephs Pardos because imagine that that there's a lot of Josephs in the Sicilian family. But you know, <laughs> but the original, the the, the founder, the, the patriarch of the family, Joseph Separdo, uh, he was one of those guys that he worked. He was like a longshoreman who worked on the docks, and then it's the old United Fruit thing where. Um, you bought the you bought the overripe bananas, but then you put them in a wagon. You put you, you took your mule and you immediately went out and got rid of. You sold off the bananas that they couldn't get to the store because they were just way too ripe. And of course, you're selling that at a at a price that you know like you you come through the neighborhood and they bought all that up. So that's how that's like that. He ended up eventually they set up a truck stand at Gentilly and Elysian Fields, and then that became the grocery, and now you've got this massive thing with the banana wagon in the produce section. And if you go just behind the banana wagon, there's, a, especially holiday time, right? So, yeah, there is a, you know, basically there's a, a whole display of, you know, basically pick up the militons, and they're exactly as you describe them. And I've got some sitting on the floor. I didn't have room in the fridge for all of them. Two of them have sprouted, so I'm making my plans to plant them. <laughs> Um, you should. 
Yes. The traditional way to grow melaton in New Orleans or to plant two by each other so they can have sex. And even though it's not right. technically correct, but people like to, you know, you, you're going <laughs> to <talk> to <laughs> company. <laughs> yeah. I think that's, you know, really great. And, um, you know, it's a secret in the sense that I've never seen it on a menu in a restaurant. Now, I, I am by no means hit all the New Orleans restaurants, but I, I can't think of one that I've ever seen melaton on the uh, menu. Do you have any? Do you know about? Um, okay, yeah. The uh, you'll see it's uh, actually it comes it's peasant food, but it's right. not Cajun food. Okay, the problem is it's not. Uh, and and militons are a much tighter season than right. let's say bell peppers. Okay. You can go to, to, to Miss Dad's Seafood on, uh, in Mattery or in the French Quarter, and they'll, they do stuffed bell peppers year-round because uh, you can get bell peppers, right? But, right. but the militon is seasonal. So yeah. it's like I, I, think, I think Mandina's – but, again, it's seasonal, right? It's going to be on the special menu. It's not going to be right. you know, like, that kind of thing. And that's exactly right. And and it's well, part of it. it there's, there's I now I'm 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 going theory here, but you know, bear with me. Part of it is the fact that it is peasant food, and it's yeah. like, why am I going to go out for something that we it, that we use to stretch the meat you know, or <laughs> the seafood, you know, that kind was, of thing. I was figuring this out the other day. Um, I you know, got Lois Eli's uh, Treme uh, version. Lois, yes, oh, his, yeah, his restaurant, and it's delicious. And it's um, you get eight melaton and uh, three fourths of a pound of boiled shrimp, and then the rest is like uh, you know bell pepper, onion, garlic, celery. Right, expensive either. And so, the stuffing stuff. Yeah, if I want to feed eighteen people boiled shrimp. You want like at least what two or three pounds? Well, at least a pound each, maybe more. And you're talking over a hundred dollars just to get that's that. Right. If you buy one pound of shrimp, not even use the whole pound if you do it uh, Lois's way, um, you can feed those same eighteen people. These melatons, they're free for a dollar, dude. They're cheap. Yes. You know? Remind me sometimes to tell you my my favorite my favorite Lois Eli story about. Treme, but that's a it's totally off topic. So anyway, uh, <laughs> the okay. Here's the thing about that: uh, you can make a stuffed bell pepper. Everybody can make stuffed bell pepper, right? The difference with the right. you, you, you you cut you cut a stuff you cut you cut a, a, a green bell pepper in half. Right. You basically have a vegetable shell for a stuffing. Yeah, now, it's already hollow. Right. The militon isn't. And that's the ticket for your yeah. 18 people because you, you scoop out, yeah. right? And, and that's what sorry, right? <laughs> and that's your, no, no, no. That's exactly it. That's you stretch it. This is yeah. It's like you don't you know. It's like if you're if you're when you're looking at like meatloaf. What do you do to stretch ground meat into meatloaf? You load it up with breadcrumbs, right? Yes, and you do that here too. You got the breadcrumbs. You got the middle. Absolutely. You've got the Trinity, and just and when I, the way I do it, when it's all done, I I just kind of poke three or four shrimp into it, um, 
and that's all you can say. There you go. Um, but yeah, the, but the that's exactly see that's the thing with the Militon is that the Militon not only is the shell, but it's the stuffing as well. Yes, yes, yes. And it it has a nice bland flavor, which I like because then you can build up your flavors on top of it. I must have had exactly. That. It'll Hello. take on the other. It'll take on the other flavors like those. You know, when you cook right. tofu with something like in a stir fry or whatever. That's yeah, the like perfect analogy. That's exactly right. And that's where what happens now. This is this is and this is why the dish is just so New Orleans. Is it comes here from Havana basically because everything. Really? You, you know, Havana was Havana was the capital of colonial. Of, of of New Spain, right? Basically, right. It was the, it, it's just everything. So a, a, a vegetable like this that either it got here from the old world, whatever, somebody's growing it in Central America, that's going to, you know, a boatload of that's going to end up in Havana. Now, fast forward to the 1860s where the Spanish are in control of New Orleans. Naturally, right. that's going to go, that's going to get to us, Right. Yeah, so that's the shiot, you know, it's it comes in. Now Spanish Creole is definitely not the same as Cajun, right? It's a, so Oh this, gosh, no. No, this is this is Creole. And yeah. you get into you know, now uh, that's a oh man, I, I you know, it's like as soon as you say as soon as you say Creole in a public forum, you feel <laughs> like you're the guy that you've stepped on the mine. And right. you hear the yeah. click. And yeah, you know yeah, if you yeah. pick up your foot. Uh, yeah, right. But but yes. But if you get into the straight and 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 again, it's like somebody from somebody from Haiti or somebody from Trinidad is going to come for me when I do this, right? But if you get see it into the straight Creole versus Cajun, yeah, I want to come to New Orleans for Cajun food. No, you don't. You want to go to Broad Bridge? Good girl, right? Yeah. You know, it's like yeah. But anyway, yeah. so it's but in this case, it's Creole peasant food. Yeah, because yeah. it comes from the Spanish. It's modified. By, well, you, you you can't even say it's modified by the French. It comes from the Spanish, and then it's modified by every black cook in New right. Orleans. Yeah, white people didn't cook for themselves, right? They, can't. Only, they don't know how. Not only is it super cheap, but there's a long tradition of New Orleanians. It's a very easy vine not to kill, apparently. And uh, so, yeah. uh, you know, in the <laughs> Facebook Militant group, uh, they just have picture after, after picture of people with big tables full of uh, their personal uh, melatons that grew right there in their yard. And would you please come get some? They're free. <laughs> I might even take you. Uh, I, I I love that. Yeah, because that's you know what that is, but, and that is so New Orleans, right? Because it's uh, it's you know, Satsuma season. Get these things out of out of my backyard. Figs. Right. Get these things off this tree. You know it's. Everybody is like this. It, even you plant a couple of bell pepper plants, and next thing you know, you're giving away your bell peppers. You know, right? It's like, yeah, well, and like, like my, my aunt, and I've, I've mentioned this a lot of times in some previous episodes. But my aunt was German Cajun, uh, like you get, you know, west of Baton Rouge and, and down to, you know, that, that so-called German coast. It actually goes a little ways inland from, you know, the, the west right. the bank of the river. Again, out in, in uh, West Baton Rouge, Paris, and that area is where I think there into the south is where her family were from. But they cooked with mel- they called it melaton, and they were yeah. very. I mean, they had her people had very German surnames, but they 
some of them, the older ones particularly, from what I understand, spoke, uh, you know, a, a form of Cajun French. And you get further west even, that culture, I found out from a friend of mine uh, down in South Louisiana, actually in, in Lafayette, but she's from West Louisiana, and one of her grandmas, I guess, was, was Cajun, but the rest of the family from up here, interestingly enough, she was telling me in a class she took in home ec years ago, uh, they learned stuff about the what they call the prairie Cajuns. They live around Lake Charles and Jennings. That's oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Those people are Cajun, too, but it's not like the Cajuns you get in the eastern part of the Cajun Triangle. They're very different. Oh, There's no, it spreads out. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. and some of them some yeah. of them melaton as well. I mean, it's pretty amazing that 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 particular vegetable or that gourd is all up and down I-10, apparently. Um, it's, that is, that, Texas for all we know, but it's all up and down the Louisiana part of I-10. Yeah, and that's a, that's a big thing because that, 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 um, that, that gives you an, an idea of how easy the darn things are to grow. You know, yeah. it's not like right. It doesn't. It doesn't have a limited soil climate. Everything. T- tell you one of the things I stumbled on, and it ended up becoming a. Re- a it, it starts with the militon, but uh, or in, um, in 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 this particular catalog, it was referred to as a vegetable pear. Yes, yes. The English. So this is nineteen oh one. Right. Yeah. Frotcher's seed. Now, Old Man Fratcher was a uh, Bavarian and ends up with all of the, uh, the uh, mid-Victorian, early Victorian, mid-Victorian uh, upheavals in what used to be the Holy Roman Empire, Federation of the Rhine. Now it's just all a hot mess, right? So they're all bailing. It's like it's, it's anything from, uh, from, the, uh, from, from German Jews, Alsatian Jews, to, uh, to Catholic slash Christian well, especially Bavarians could be Catholic, so that they, 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 they were. It was appealing to come to New Orleans, all that kind of. Anyway, so Fratcher is basically a botanist, and uh, one day, you know, I'm, I'm always trolling everybody's digital library, you know, through the um, the Islandora software and everything, you know. So I come across this beautiful full color cover to Fratcher's seed catalog, and huh. they've got them from 95, 96. And so I don't know why I picked 1901, because it was just it was a good image and everything. And then well, I was at, this is also at a time when uh, I was, there uh, There was actually a, an honest to goodness Militon Festival back yeah. 15, 16, you know, that kind of thing. I don't know if they ever came back. To be yeah, honest with you, I didn't look. Funding after COVID, I hadn't, right. I hadn't find any, you know, dates or schedules for 23 yet. So, but we'll yeah, keep and, and it's growing every year, right? You know, I mean, it's like right. more it, things. Things are things are getting back in that regard, right? And all of that. Well, okay, so uh, so this is I want to say 15. I'm writing. I'm doing my thing, but I'm also at the time now. I've uh, I've been writing for uh, GoNola.com. Yeah. Which was the which is now uh what do they call it? New Orleans Incorporated? It merged in with the C V B. They're all one big conglomerate uh, now. But at the time it was the New Orleans Tourism and Marketing Corporation. And then yeah. they had GoNola and I was the history blogger, you know, for GoNola for, for good goodness, seven years. Yeah. And um the long story short on that was they wanted to they they were writing up the Militon Festival. 
and then wanted some of the background. And that's probably the article that you first got inspired so, yeah. to, yeah, to, to, to come to me with this, right? So, right. So I'm looking through all of this, and I'm looking for, I'm looking for the, the, the language, right? looking for the naming and everything. And that's what I found. A, uh, so I found a, a black and white, you know, uh, um, a, a pencil drawing of a militon, and Fratcher referred to it as a uh, as a vegetable pear. Right, right, right. Which that is probably right, the rough yeah. That's that that would be as a German. That would be his way of not kicking anybody off. That's right. also called it. And remember, see, she was German. She was German Cajun. Yeah. There you go. And and I think too, because you know the thing about the thing about Frotcher, you know, seed catalog. That you know, they, he would send that seed catalog to you if you lived in Portland, Oregon, right? You know that kind of thing. Right. But it's seeds. It's easily mailed. So you keep it right. You don't get. You don't want to be exotic. And right. Shout out. You know that kind of thing. call it a vegetable pear, which I found fascinating. Just to throw a side note uh, into this. You guys had uh, Katie Shannon on, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, with the, with Antoine of Oak Alley and all right. of that. Mm-hmm. Frotcher is the guy that stole Antoine's pecans. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just one of these. So I'm looking up, and I'm digging. I'm digging a little bit into Militons, and I ended up writing a whole article about seed catalogs. But but right. as I'm going through, he actually is proud of the pecan that came from Oak Alley because yeah. this is 1901, and the value of of Antoine in terms of as as a businessman, well, yeah, that that wasn't happening, right? But but anyway, he was good friends with the folks at Oak Alley, and he would go up there because they had this brilliant. Uh, freed, uh, uh, freed enslaved botanist named Antoine, <laughs> and he would get up there and talk. And he basically he jacked he jacked the pecan. Yeah. <laughs> Antoine's I mean, pecan got got widespread because of this guy Frotcher. That's like capitalism works. Look at Elon Musk buying a car company and pretending he invented and having it. nothing to do with it. Right. right yeah. yeah. I just got the money. I'm putting my name on it. Trump. Trump doesn't build anything. He just puts his name on stuff. So. There you go. Right. And, and, and ahead of the curve. <laughs> yeah. Now, to his credit, um, Frotcher and his daughter, now his daughter was a, also a, uh, a formerly trained botanist. She, she had a PhD in biology and the whole bit. Uh, they did improve on propagation and that kind of thing. Right. But it was Antoine's pecan, you know. Mm-hmm. and. Yeah, I, I, you know, it's funny because they go, well, I say, you, you, you talk to Katie, you know, she knows all of that. She is a River Parish wizard as well as oh, being yeah. a, uh, you know, yeah, just a uh, uh, colored troops wizard, uh, you name it, you know, that kind of thing. So I, 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 I nicked out the page from the, um, from the PDF and I sent it out, I sent it up to her and I said, this is your Antoine, isn't it? And she was like, oh my God, <laughs> you found a guy who stole Antoine's anyway, so yeah, but but that's the thing though is that Frotcher's seeds, he was the, he was the thing. He started in the French Quarter on Charter Street. They uh, his daughter and his son moved. Uh, they needed they needed bigger digs, so they moved into the what's now the warehouse district. And uh, one of the things they sold was the the Militon seeds, and right. they put 
Now, the, the illustration they use, uh, other than the fact that it's black and white, it's not green, is exactly as militons you have and as militons right. on the, you know, on the, on the counter at, uh, at Zapardo's yesterday. You know, that yeah. kind of thing. You go to South America and start looking at potatoes, there's dozens of varieties. But by the time they got to Ireland, there was one type. That's right. That's kind of, you know, you see basically one type in New Orleans. Maybe somebody has the white or the prickly spines. But, yeah, we, we like right. the round, kind of heavy, uh, smooth, green, pear-shaped. You know, it's very specific what we look for in a melaton. Um, That's right. It, when I see a secret, it's not that New Orleans people – tell you about it but it's i think of it as more home cooking um <laughs> positive spin to put on and it's not just home cooking it's holiday cooking because you can buy a rather small bag full of melatons and feed a whole big crowd and it's something besides the same old stuffing we always get absolutely that's and and and, and again you're you're you know the, the idea like with 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 Lois is talking about about stretching it and everything else. I mean, if you only you know the the of course down here Thanksgiving and Christmas, the ultimate turkey dressing or side dressing with ham that kind of thing is going to be oyster dressing, right? Right. But right. Oysters oy, oysters have never been cheap unless you're you know unless you're a Croatian oyster fisherman. Yeah, <laughs> where you're you're part of the business or something. Oysters just ain't cheap. Neither are shrimp. You know, I mean, shrimp right. to a lesser extent. But so yeah, I totally get that story about you know, yeah, a third of a pound, and all of a sudden you're feeding eighteen people. Yeah, I mean that's you know, and everybody. But you're not doing it with breadcrumbs, and that's the wonderful thing about that. Who makes a little breadcrumb in uh, just for the texture? But um, I make. I made melatons for Thanksgiving. <laughs> I had so much, too much stuffing. Like uh, <laughs> it was like a full cereal bowl just of the stuff you're supposed to stuff it, and it was left over, and so we could kind of eat it like a dip. <laughs> I, I I know this feeling. <laughs> My mama's family, which is a combination of. Uh, of New Orleans French and then Germans marrying in and her holiday stuffing, which she would actually, it would be stuffing, not dressing, because she would actually put it in the bird, uh, was a ground meat based. It was basically a, a ground meat and uh, uh, yeah. a little bit of breadcrumbs and a, mm -hmm. uh, uh, the Holy Trinity and right. thyme, the big flavor. You walked away, you walked away from that, from eating that, and you you got the time out of it more than, I, you know, that was her big thing. I got served, uh, I'd ordered blackened fish in Florida. It was my own damn fault. Yeah, they had dumped the whole bottle of time in it. And I just, I can't use it. Oh, anymore. man. Yeah. <laughs> no, you just, I, yeah. But, yeah, that was just our project, you know, we just, Hit nine million words a couple of months ago. Wow. Um, we've got over a thousand recipes in our cooking blog and got, bang it, this may be our 500th episode. It's going to be very close. Um, a podcast like that. The, I like that because Lamar gets all the good records. All right. That's right. another story. <laughs> Here we've got like, um, 
you know, I did a word search of all three of our databases. Um, okay. On the word occurs in our whole vast website and other stuff. It occurs once. There's not a single recipe, uh, not a single podcast until now. And the word only shows up in a poem by Mona Lisa Saloy, who's currently the um, poet laureate. Is poet laureate. Yeah, but, you know, she writes about Peloton because it's home cooking. But, yeah, we're trying to fix that now that we know that there's a gap in or uh, separate, you know, it's, it's not that uncommon for the melaton to be overlooked. And I think you're probably right about since it's very seasonal, if you're going to get it in a restaurant, it'll just happen to be there when you go in. You know, it's right. about this time of year. And the rest, it won't be in the menu and it won't be on the special menu. No, exactly. Now, the, the other thing that's interesting, and carry this back because Think restaurant, you know, you're 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 churning out a lot of food, so you're you're making that stuffing, you're scooping it back into into the the, the shell of the right. the, um, the gourd, or you're you're even if you're just doing it with you know you're doing it with with bell peppers, you 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 know the technique. Now the right. next thing becomes, do you put a sauce on it? I don't. I uh, I, I don't as a rule on a millicon. I put a few breadcrumbs on top and a pat of butter. Kind of, you know, form a top to it, and you know, right. pretty closely. Well, to naturally, the one place you start seeing a sauce on top of a stuffed bell pepper or a uh, or 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 a stuffed militon is gonna be in the Sicilian restaurants. All right, because they got a big pot of sauce always on the burner because it's they right. got their marinara, right? So you just. You just spoon a little bit. You, you've had Justin Nystrom on, right? Gosh, I, I can't believe I missed that. Who is that? Justin Nystrom is a professor of history at Loyola. I don't know. Have we had, what, uh, I uh, don't think you have because I would remember listening to Justin and, and you know, what, generally ribbing him. We're all the time getting a... I've seen his name <laughs> online, but I don't, re- I don't recall. He's written, he's written a number of different books. He's... Uh, uh, the the book that comes to mind on this one, and that's why I would I'd be I, I it's like I wish I knew his phone number. I I, I you know, we'd loop him in and find out if uh, what the deal is. But the, his his uh the the to me my favorite book that Justin has written is uh it's called literally called Creole Italian. Oh, cool! And it's a and it is a uh it's essentially a history of Sicilians in New Orleans yeah. from a food perspective. Oh my okay. God! Yeah, right up our alley. <laughs> oh, the, dude, N Y S T R O M. I'll put it up. Yeah, that's yeah. I, I will. I will tag you guys. As, you know, in in Facebook, to make sure. Yeah, you want. Yeah, you 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 want to talk. He's another one. Talk your ear off. Let's just say that to give you an idea about Justin, um, the uh, uh, ESPN did a thing on uh, culture across the SEC, and right. they so they went to a whole bunch of cities. Ironically, the, they went to New Orleans. I don't know if they went to Baton Rouge, <laughs> where we don't have an. Yeah, you could say Tulane used to be in the SEC. But anyway, so uh, ESPN did an, an episode on New Orleans, and they started and ended sitting around a table at Mandina's, and Justin Nystrom was one of the people they were talking to because he drinks. Yeah, and of course it's beautiful because it gets into it gets into it gets into like Pontchartrain history. 
gets into, oh, the food, the, just the stuff he talks about with food and restaurants and cooking and everything else is incredible. But, of course, he gets into the restaurants and the hotels at West End, and we're talking about Sicilians. So if you get into management and business, you know the dark rabbit hole that can go down, and there's a little bit of uh, of the mafia in the book. <laughs> But that's what comes to mind is, um, and I'm, again, I'm, I'm, I, I hate to keep saying it's Mandinas, but a, a, a buddy of mine that goes back to high school, and I graduated in 1976 from Brother Martin High School here in Gentilly, and uh, whenever he comes to town, we always go to Mandinas. So I'm pretty sure they put red gravy on their milk I know they do on their bell pepper, too, you know, so... Uh, but there are but, a few no. that do serve my left I just have ever – like you say, there might be some that have it on their special menu that I didn't notice because I was right. focused on the written. Oh, one. it's it's peasant food, man. It's it's everything you've yeah, – it's, it's not – All your all your assumptions are correct. Any of the um, – we've got several cookbooks, three of them online already, but a bunch more that we're still editing. I didn't find one single recipe for Melitana – I need to do a more thorough search of the ones that aren't online yet, but uh, yeah, Google can't find. Well, you know, <laughs> now that you say it, I don't think I've ever used a recipe to actually make stuffed milleton because I learned how to make my mama's stuffing with the ground meat. Right. And basically, I just I used the milleton. I scooped out the milleton. I used the I I used the fruit as the meat. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then you mix in, and then, like Lala says, you mix in some, because it's, it's a very, um, well, you know, you, you, when, when, when you scoop it out, it's not really green. On it. It's very white. It's very boring mm-hmm. on the inside, right? And, <laughs> right. and so, but because it's light like that, I think that's what leans people more towards putting shrimp in it. Than right. Putting, you know, than putting, like, ground meat. You know, like, stuffed pepper. Yeah, you, people do sh- the same stuffing basically, like a trip stuffed bell pepper with, but it's a lot of it's a lot of breadcrumbs, that kind of Presso right. Italian breadcrumbs, right? You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I New Orleans roll. You could <laughs> you could probably stuff that thing with with crab as easily, couldn't you? I mean, if you were so inclined, oh, crawfish. Absolutely, crawfish would be the one that I would think because uh, we're not going to discuss Chinese crawfish, but. Yeah, you know, when you look at trip prices right now and crab, I was looking at like people who make like an oyster, like you make a crab meat artichoke dip. I'm making my mama's crab right. meat artichoke dip, right, for, for Thanksgiving or for Christmas. Man, you know, lump crab meat is going $25 a pound. Oh, my God. Yeah, you it's really insane. <laughs> I, yeah, I suspect so I, my aunt's family used crawfish because, again, they were living out. West and if south. They were further out west. Oh, yeah, absolutely. they were out west and south of Port Allen, you know, down the, yeah. way down on the bayou, uh, down around the Maringouin in that area, and, yeah. which is very Cajun down that way, uh, hyper Cajun at that. Yep. And so they were using, I mean, and crawfish was in plenty down there, too. I mean, it's, oh, you know. Oh, always was, right? You know, but again, it's it was seasonal, but right. if you hit it right, yeah, I mean, you know, popcorn crawfish at, at uh, oh, yeah. Don Seafood in Lafayette, man. I have put out lots of set nets as a kid when we would drive out to see them well, from Baton Rouge. Yep. And those old set nets that have the, either the tripod or the four pod, and you'd go out there right. and drop that out with a, like a 
like a long tomato steak or, or even like a shepherd's crook. Some people I've seen use yeah. those. And then, then I would be one of the kids that they would send out to go get the set nets out. We'd be out there waiting in about, usually about knee deep to thigh deep water. It wouldn't be quite waist deep. And we'd go out there and get those nets right. after the, you know, after the, they'd already been baited. We'd bring them in, and I remember the crawfish would be just teeming in those nets. Oh, yeah. Cause it, yeah, they were just, I mean, yeah, it, it, yeah. Just, uh, they, they knew, they, they knew where the bait was, and they didn't care oh, yeah. if they got caught. <laughs> my you see, now, now, when it comes to, to, to fishing like that, my thing was, uh, that with us, it was the crabs because of the lake. Right. And, right. uh, I was in, you know, I was in a, in a day camp at a, uh, at, at St. Francis Xavier Cabrini Grammar School. They did a summer day camp that I went to for a bunch of years when I was a kid. And the counselors would come with the crab nets and we would okay. drop them. We would drop them in, uh, basically it was the, it was the mouth of Bayou St. John right up in there by Spanish Fort, right? right. And there was a little footbridge there. And, uh, oh yeah, that was, see, instead of the, instead of the crawfish, that was a crawfish. We, we weren't in a swamp, right? But man, we got some blue crabs. Whew, that was good. I oh, could yeah. see putting that in Militon too, but now you're, yeah. now you're violating, well, not violating. I mean, now you're, it's like, if your goal was to keep it on the cheap and stretch, <laughs> and hey. you're using the crab meat, that's, <laughs> Yeah, now you're, you're you're butting heads with your with your plan, but but on the other yeah, hand, well, yeah. still making the crab meat go about as far as you can under any circumstances. You know, that's that's you found the feed twenty twenty five people, uh, whereas uh, you know crab dip is probably oh, a lot more crab, crab dip or crab meat or gratin. Yeah, you're right. now you're now you're full on. Yeah, you're full on pony it up. <laughs> right, it's like yeah. No, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. I think now y'all y'all got me tempted to do this with crawfish sometimes. So yeah, yeah. you know, it's like I wouldn't it, you know. it in uh the same time. But I think the crawfish are I've seen a couple of ads, I think, that they're coming back into season. Yeah, they are. And it's like I mean, you can you know, you can get the well I'm a you know, if it's if I if I've got a hanker and, and it's it's July, I'm I'm not going to I'm not going to quibble over farm-raised crawfish from right. southwest Louisiana, right? You know, I'll buy the frozen pack, you know. Now, yeah. the three ninety nine Chinese off of the factory ship, I'm not going to do. But yeah, we avoid the Chinese crawfish just, uh, you know, loyalty, I guess. But there's usually some uh, Louisiana crawfish, and they're usually about the same price, maybe a little more. They, yeah, they're, well, actually, they're they're a little more. Uh, the uh, government put a tariff on Chinese crawfish at one ah. point, and so the the, um, the 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 price differential is artificial, but it works for me if it you know it makes it if it keeps keeps the crawfish keeps the farmers going. I'm you know I, I'm I'm not opposed to all tariffs. That's for sure. You know. <laughs> so um, back to the Millicon. When yeah. do you think that they arrived in New Orleans? Is there any way to know? Um, formally, no. But my guess, my guess would be uh, with with the Spanish government, right? Because so that's going to be what, formally that's 1764. So yeah. back that up five years. You know, say 1760. If I was looking for a round number, I'd say 1760. 
a big boost from the rapid influx that doubled the size of the city from the uh, Haitian refugees from the okay. That's that's a now that's the linguistic history. Okay, the the Shio had to have been here for a good what's that thirty years uh, already. If we're postulating late late 1750s into 1760 into New Spain, you know, uh, so uh, so up now. Fast forward to Toussaint Louverture and all the all the white Haitians making a beeline for New Orleans. Right. That that's my um, that that's that's your marker for the linguistic shift. It was right. most likely. A, it was most likely a chayote because that's what the Spanish, uh, right. that's what Spanish merchants would have been bringing mm. in, even though everybody here spoke French. Right. They would have called it that. Now, the Haitians grew the chayote, of course, because they were on an island and they, they all melded together. So I'm sure that by the time the Haitians got here, and let me say again, just for the benefit of anybody else listening, we're talking about the white people who were one step ahead of the revolution, not <laughs> right. so much slaves, but yeah, they're, they're very French. They are very uh, uppity French. You know, I mean, they're plants, <laughs> right? right? You know, and so yeah, they're gonna. This is a, you know, you can almost hear it, right? You know, it's like, you know, God, God love you, Emmanuel Macron, but you know, your people can be a bit up. Times, you know, so. Well, they like Louisianans because we, you know, hold on to some of the old French. Not he as much. Yeah, he. I I think he had a good time, you know, other than having to talk to Elon Musk. But you know, well, every speaker <laughs> that came to Louisiana, like Lafayette, you know, he never had anything to do with that part of the world. But you know, he's a big hero to the country because of his role in the revolution. Yeah. Came to oh my goodness, you've got. I mean, come on, man, you've got. You've got Fayetteville, Arkansas. Mm-hmm. In Georgia, they call it Lafayette. Oh, I have wow. a friend who lived in Lafayette, Georgia. Wow. And I didn't know what, you know, it's like, uh, you remember the whole thing about Herschel Walker and his, and his, his <laughs> North Georgia accent? And right. It's like, you know, yeah, that whole bit. It's true, though. You can't. You know, there, and, and like I said, you know, yeah, you talk about, nah, your, 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 your boy was, yeah, we, we, we like to think, we like to have a better claim on him because we were a French colony before the revolution. But yeah. really, we should be, we should be, we still should be giving more shout outs to, uh, to Miro and Galvez. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, you know, well, but, more than anybody else is responsible for the way the, Vu Carre looks today because it was absolutely start rebuilding after the fires. Well, and, and Galvez uh, essentially drove the British off the Gulf Coast. I mean, right? He, he ran him out of Pensacola. Yeah, and he was and, also uh, a good. He was not only a good military commander; he was a pretty good governor. He's one of the better Spanish governors back in that period. Yeah, I mean, yeah, from the bloody English. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's why we have that. What is it? The flag. Is you know it's like it's like Louisiana gets a bit of the Spain because of that you know that mm-hmm. kind of thing yeah and and Miro Miro um well it's Miro Miro gets 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 dragged more because of his wife 
and the whole Pignon law and all of that, right? But mm-hmm. you know, other than the, other than the fact that his wife didn't like pretty uh, black women, <laughs> uh, Miro, yeah, Miro did a lot of, a lot of good out here too. But yeah, but Galvez in particular, man, you know. Well, we got Galvez Street. This you know, pretty right. Just a, hey, it's not as well. Runs in Rush Town. <clears throat> um, and um, yeah, Miro. Funny story from up here in North Louisiana. Um, Monroe, Louisiana was originally Fort Miro, and they named it after him. Oh, okay. In the hopes that he would, you know, uh, send a little cash. <laughs> off. And, of course, it came to nothing because New Orleans burned, and they needed all the money down there. Right, right. Well, and, and that's, that's, yeah, there's another oddity, too, about Monroe. Uh, it was founded, of all things, by this guy. He was working with with Esteban Miro, but it was Don Juan Fiol or Jean Fiol, who was actually not Catholic. He was he was a French Protestant. He was uh, maybe a Huguenot, but he definitely was a French Protestant of all things. Who, who knew? Yeah. You know? And the guy that we talked with uh, several years ago, early into the podcast, in fact, Larry Foreman is a he is the local historian and I think special collections librarian at Washington Parish Library. He's the one that told us that. He's he's actually a historian of Washtenaw Parish and maybe Morehouse Parish. But he was telling okay. us that, that that the Governor Miro fully intended Monroe to be founded before the revolution or about the time of the revolution and the revolution literally intervened so they couldn't <laughs> do it. Uh, because there were yeah, there were privateers and what passed for the navy, the colonial navy and colonial uh, marines were traveling up and down the Mississippi. And they were conducting raids on the Mississippi. One of them was this guy James Willing or James Whiting or something like that. But anyway, they were fearful of people like that because it was it was too much of a geopolitical conflict and too much of a yeah. not just an embarrassment, but really a source of fear and terror among the people living there in the Mississippi Lower Mississippi Valley, particularly. And so they waited till after the revolution then to found what became Monroe or Fort Miro. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they would have Look into it. if there's the if there's Spanish connections up there, um, follow your Freemasons. I am. Because the uh the Spanish at that point now you know, this is long before Catholics couldn't be Freemasons, but the French so let's just say French Freemasons and the Spanish government. Uh, there's a re, you know, there, there, there's you know there, there, there's bad blood all over that. Follow the Freemasons and see uh, that that will tell you who the Spanish were looking at. You know that yeah. kind of thing. There's okay. a curiosity up here where, and he comes up on the, I think on the Louisiana Folklife website. But one of our professors in tech, it's either. Mine and Bruce's former colleague, Susan Roach, or it's my old major professor from undergrad, Glenn Ingram. One of them did some study about just the Lincoln Parish area, really, or what becomes Lincoln Parish, because this is in the 1790s, so it's just raw, you know, open front right. is what it is. And pine trees, and as my dad used to say, hoot owls. I mean, there's nothing up here, pretty much, <laughs> until you go down north, you know, southwest of Natchitoches. There's really, there's that, there's the Natchitoches settlement, and then there's, you know, Fort Miro, which very quickly becomes the Washtenaw Post, which then morphs into Monroe. But there was right. a guy from Tennessee, of all places. His last name is Honeycutt. And he comes in here in the 1790s under the Spanish. They got a Spanish land grant and settled near what is day present day of uh, Vienna. Or what, you know, lo- uh, non-local, how you was called, Vienna. Yeah. 
which is not it's not pronounced that way up here. It's pronounced Viana, but it's named for Viana, Georgia. It's not named for Vienna, Austria, but Viana, Georgia. Anyway, right. Settled in a, a little place up there that he called Pine Hills or something. I think he called it Pine Hills, but it's very close to the the present day site of Viana. But this is oh, under yeah. the Spanish of all people. This is not yeah. you know. Oh, this is in the seventeen The Spanish. Let me tell you, the Spanish get bum wrapped. Uh, it's a it's a combination of uh, coming for the Masons, giving the enslaved the Sunday afternoon off. <laughs> right, right. Uh, you know, it's like, and then so so now you know, basically the the Spanish get bum wrapped for a bazillion different things, not the <laughs> least of which is uh, it, are, are the Frenchmen who were executed. You know, right. because they sent they sent you lower back. You know, uh, uh, you know. So, is named for the uh, French martyrs, as they call martyr patriots. Yeah. Yes. I wanted to get back to um, how the um, militant made its way into the New Orleans diet, and um, you said that was primarily through the uh, African American cooks. Yes, that's. Um, that that is it's. I don't want to say it's a. I don't want to say it's a well-known secret. It's no secret that black. You know, it, it's like you ever see the signs. It, it, well, I don't know. It's like a, I have to dig up my picture. They demolished the building, but there was a graffiti sign uh, in um, right by the St. Bernard Housing Project, basically in in the you know the right in Gentilly by Bayou St. John, and it's it, mm-hmm. it was just graffitied on the side of this big uh, this big building. It said. Everything you love about New Orleans is because of black people. Yeah, that's an excellent insight, right? It's it's like I you know, I, I drive I, I go to a actually a, you know a couple times a week I go to a black owned bakery in Gentilly to get donuts and that's our story of why I go that far at you know that far away from Mattery to do that. But I drove by I saw that sign when somebody first put it up. And I sat there for about five minutes because I was like, man, you know what? <laughs> that, that was pretty spot on, <laughs> that kind of thing. Um, but so that's – okay, so that's the thing, right, is that um, the French the, – the, 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 okay, so the planters were maintaining houses in New Orleans right, and right. for both practical, for business, and for illicit reasons. Yeah. Uh, you know, so – so, you know, so they're here. The Spanish did the same exact thing. They're not, these are, these are the wealthy people of the time. They're not cooking for themselves. No. So what are you going to do? You're going to literally buy a cook. And what is that, ins- that enslaved woman, what is she going to cook? She is going to cook Afro-Caribbean cuisine right? because that's what, that's what she knows. And now, you know, it's like, uh, uh, not to put too fine a point on it, but, you know, it's like you start getting into, there are, a, there, there's a lot of bad European food out there, right? And right. You throw the, you, you throw English, the English having bad food, you know? <laughs> oh, man. You know, uh, there, there's a Twitter account that's called, like, I think it's called No Context Brits, and they put up, like, you know, some of the worst, examples of a british meal (laughs) with no context right yeah yeah but well okay so these 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 folks 
Yeah, exactly. The of cooking is that they can take humble uh, ingredients and make some really great tasting out of it. So why yeah. would you? Well, that's that's it. And and you know if that that technique that technique is not it's not limited to, to Afro Caribbean food, right? I mean tacos, right. enchiladas. Yeah. I mean, what do you do? You take meat that's maybe not the freshest in the world. Curry. You know, my goodness, right. all of friggin' um, you know, uh, India. You know, it's like uh, vegetables that are overripe, and you dump some. You know, you dump your curry in it. Uh, pork that's uh, well, pork no, pork doesn't work. Uh, lamb, lamb and chicken that don't you know that that are just getting too far along. What do you do? You season it up. And of course, what happens with these French and Spanish uh, um, uh, upper middle class to upper class people? Now all of a sudden they're like, hmm, "This is pretty good." You know, it's like, "Yeah, I'm not, you know." And and well, of course, there you go, right? So uh, they're you know they're, they're enslaved for for generations, but eventually you've got people who start gaining gaining their freedom. They get to they go to work. They actually work in uh, restaurants, you know, but but yeah, again, atheist, yeah, Andy Bellum, eighteen uh, Antoine's Antoine restaurant Antoine starts in eighteen forty. Uh, you know, you start getting very black kitchens in some of these restaurants. Uh, there's another uh, Facebook and Twitter page if you want to just just lurk for background. Where Black Nola eats. Oh and, yeah, uh, yeah, that's just lurk, right? Yeah. Oh, it's it's a it's a it's a neat it it, it 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 becomes a neat group and a neat discussion and everything else. But so well, anyway. Long story short, with all this, of course, that's exactly it's 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 what happens is that uh, basically the the you know I, I mean you, you start getting into laborers and the Irish and the Germans. Of course, they're cooking for themselves, you know, because they're they're not they they're they're not owning. Uh, cooks at that point but you get into the quarter you get into treme you get into uh the the marini and of course that's where you're going to find households that hire a cook right and of course now the irish fast forward to after uh the war and uh you know after the war now the irish at that point are, are 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 well established in New Orleans, and you've got right. you know you've got Irish families in the Garden District. You've got that whole thing, uh, <laughs> and then and bring the Germans into that too, because you know between uh, between uh, uh, German Jewish retailers and just general uh, you know the um, you know the, the the bankers and the factors and everything else, uh, you know so they're hiring cooks, they're hiring black women. The black women teach their sons how to cook. They go to work in the restaurants because, you know, it's like I don't want women working in my restaurant. I want a reliable man who's going to earn a living and all that. So, but anyway, he becomes a cook, and then he becomes a chef. And now you get, you know, that's where we get our, our tradition of, you know, like really good black chefs and that kind You're of You're probably stuff. familiar with uh, cooking in old Creole days by Celestine Eustace. Yes. Uh, and it's around the turn of the century, I think, a little, you know, maybe 1905 or 10. I can't remember right offhand. But what she does, it's very unusual. She credits the source of the recipe when she's able to track it down. So, oh, nice. Uh, uh-huh. this George Washington's 
servants, you know, because it's not like she doesn't pretend that the Washington did all that to themselves. <laughs> front, she says, you know, we've got these great black cooks that can't read and write, and they're dying. And I've got to get these recipes and write them down. Uh, but once again, that's, nothing that's on that. jazz, right? That that that's the story of jazz history, right? You yeah. Know, it's like, yeah, we got to get the oral. We got to get the oral down. These guys ain't gonna write it. They're not literate, you know. The great hello musicians and all that. Oh, I, I, that doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah, now, it's, uh, you know, mostly a pretty cool uh, cookbook, and it has what we and Stephen and I call casual racism, like uh, the original. Yeah, are pretty minstrelly. We actually did <laughs> one time, but um, the. the the goal she has is not, you know, she's actually giving credit to all these uh, uh, slave nice. women, other uh-huh. women, but you know, that 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 um yeah um why don't I have this? I was just kind of looking and I was saying, send you our link so that uh, please do. Oh, yeah, that'll make life I, easy because. I, I hate googling on the phone, but I'm looking at I'm, I'm looking at the cover, and yeah, it's you know I'm like, how do I not have this? But anyway, yeah, it's but well, okay. So you see, that's now let's 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 take that to New Orleans, okay? You you have you know the the, the English tradition of I will have cook make us something up, right? You know that kind of thing, and and and, and you know it's never a name. It was always let's see what cook has for dinner, you know that right. kind of thing. And you kind of sort of get that, you know, with with a you know with a with a uh, a black household staff, uh, you know, um, pre and post Thirteenth Amendment, right? You know that kind of thing. And um, but in New Orleans, that cooking, uh, it's like it's like my boy Frotcher and the pecans. The white people steal it or steal the credit. Right. You know, a, a household cook is you know the family is just proud that they can put this really good meal, you know, this, you know, yeah. on the table from these black cooks. The right. restaurant is going to go, oh, you should taste my gumbo or you should try, you know, you need, you know, you know what I'm saying. It's like, so mm-hmm. at that point, the white people are taking, it's like I said, it's like Roger and the, and the pecan. He's going to take credit for what the, uh, for what the former enslaved botanist developed did. And, but now, as, yes, okay. yeah, yeah. the unusual thing about that story is that we actually remember Antoine's name. That you know, <laughs> well, well, we do know who made the pecans and some of these recipes. Yes, say, and sometimes you know, dear, 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 dear Katie and her and her persistence, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, she, yeah, she's nailed that story. You know, that that's a, it's a, that's a wonderful book. You know, but, well, you've had her, you know. Oh yeah, but um. But yeah, that's that's exactly the point to this is that um, the the restaurant will take you know it's like oh you like my yeah it's like yeah my, he yeah the, the restaurateur you know he, you know it's like you know commander or um, or um, Galatois or the the Alciators, they're not going to sit there and say let me introduce you to the black guy who made your food right you know it's like chef is going to come out. And the chef or the proprietor are going to be white guys, you know that kind of thing. And capital, they yeah. can buy the car company like Elon Musk. That's right. That that that's exactly it. Now you know, 
and and you can. This is where you. This is where it gets. This is where it gets dicey from a history perspective. Is you don't want to give too much. You don't want to give too much credit for guys who were pro slavery and pro and pro keeping black people down, right? You know, between segregation, then Jim Crow, right. and everything else. But you got to give them props for not messing with the food and letting the black cook cook the food. You know, now, you know, there's the, it's, I don't know if you say give them props, it's at least that, you know, it's like they just didn't think, they thought the actual cooking was beneath them, and that worked out for the rest of us. Right. And uh, famously, you know, you are letting them all back, have insisted on good food. I mean, the first riot that I've heard of was the uh, Sharavari carried out by the, you know, some of the casket girls that got over here. There was no good food, you know. No. That was, yeah. That's that's hardtack kind of, you know. Uh, yeah. You know, soldier food, sailor yeah. food. You know, yeah. We were breaking yeah. food. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I swear. Yeah, that's just that's just ugly <laughs> stuff there. But yeah, to bring the women over and well, and so they started um, spreading knowledge about Creole cooking. Right. It's probably been around for hundreds of years in the Caribbean, but was new to European palate. Yes. Some stuff gets brought over from France. Um, but, you know, a surprising amount comes from right here. You know, this is not French cuisine. Oh, no. Uh-uh. Oh, that's, that's, um, that's, that's, a, that, 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 that's an incredible, just to give you an idea on that. Um, uh, he's passed away now, but there was uh, a French chef. His name was Gerard Crozier, C-R-O-Z-I-E-R. He, he, Opened up his own place, and he had Croget's Restaurant, Continental French Cuisine. And you would have New Orleanians go to his place and say, that's not French food. Because <laughs> their idea of French food was, you know, pompano on papillot at, um, at Antoine's, right? Or, uh, you know, or Crabby Ravigat at, at, at Galatoire's, right? They come in and they get... Classic French, yeah, classic Coco Vin or something right. like that. That's not French food. Well, I've had a proper king cake just to try it. It's good, but it's not what we think of as a king cake, right? Oh, gosh, no. Uh-uh, no. A, uh, yeah. Gato um, de Roy, is that what they call Gato it? Gato de Roy, yeah. And, uh, oh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a pie. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, it's like the thing, one of the things I like about our local cooking scene is we don't back up to anybody. Here's French that great French hotel. Come eat some of this. Come, come, just try a gumbo. Right. With food. You know they can't make roux. Well, maybe they could. A lot of the stuff mm-hmm. they want back in France is something we yeah. developed here, and it's quite good. A lot of it by uh, African Americans or fields of color, as they would have called mm-hmm. them. That is that is spot on. Okay. And and it's it's it yeah it's it's like it's like French food hits Haiti, Spanish food hits Cuba, right? And then uh, and I'll pardon the pun, but it gets blackened, <laughs> right? And because yeah, because it's like the 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 wife the the the, the um. The, the the matron of the household has ideas of what 
they used to, you know, what her servants used to cook in in uh, Madrid or in in, in uh, you know, in, 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 you know in, in Madrid or Valencia or I guess it was the ports to say Valencia, but uh, <coughs> yeah, like but, yeah, you know, it's like the black cook isn't going to cook that. <laughs> so by the time they got to Havana, you know, they're using and they're using local. They're using local ingredients. Yeah. They're using yeah. A lot of that because the, the local they have to adapt the recipes, right. the dishes to the local, the local environment. Uh, partly because some of those things that they had back home either you know too far away. There's no the so-called supply chain is not sophisticated like it is today. That's yeah. one problem. But also the climate and the soil are such that they right. may not grow in the in the so-called new world. And so you have to then pick something as a substitute. Or some things as substitutes uh, to you know switch out one thing right. for another in a, in a particular. It's like jambalaya is a good example of that. Jambalaya is a great example. That's what makes melaton so great. Is um, probably the reason that the slave cooks used it was something you could plant beside a cabin or something. The uh, vine kind of takes care of itself a lot of you know most of the time. Yeah, it uh, clings to the side of that. I mean, yeah, all these calories <laughs> um, that you can feed family. Uh, it's just a matter of how do we make it taste good, and that's where the art came in, you know. That's it. That's exactly right, and that's yeah, and 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 you can kind of see it, right? You know, it's like you're living, you know, uh, the Irish are living on potatoes, the mm-hmm. the African, the you know, Afro Caribbeans are living on millitons, stretch things out, right? You know. Uh, Using corn instead of wheat flour for a tortilla, this kind of thing, mm-hmm. and you bring that into you bring that into the white family, and man, it's pretty much better than a lot of what you know. It's like you you've learned you know you you've adapted, you've learned how to right. spice up that militon. Yeah, they talk so how to eat. Have you ever uh, read The Awakening by Kate Chopin? Oh well, of course. So Cleo, her husband, you know, he's Got very right. definite ideas about something. And usually portrayed as, and cr- criticism as a kind of villain. But there was one time I really felt for the guy. He, they had a bad cook. And he came in and he started trying to eat that soup and, oh, it's not any good. And he tried dumping in some cayenne. <laughs> it still wasn't any good. So he went to the club to eat. I, I totally get that, Ed. I'm that guy, yeah. you know. I gotta have good food. I'm not going to eat yeah. Give you give you a weird Kate Chopin reference. Uh, this is a, pre-COVID, so maybe uh, 18, 19. Um, uh, a Macmillan imprint uh, asked me if I'd be interested in reading a in reviewing a book about a Nazi of all things, and World War II related. Uh, that had the way they said it without spoiling it, giving me anything. Uh, it had a New Orleans connection, is the way they put it. Right. This guy, now, it's called, it, the, the name of the book is The SS Officer's Armchair. And it's, uh-huh. a, it's, a, it's a crazy story about the history of this guy and his family and how he ends up in Prague and ends up getting shot in Prague. Anyway, long story. But, uh, but the, the New Orleans connection is a, is a Kate Chopin connection to huh. all things. Because this guy, the subject of this book, this guy's grandfather was in New Orleans after the war, after the Civil War, you know, our Civil War, and he was, and he lived here for an extended period of time with his wife, 
and I think one of his kids was actually uh, you know, was was actually born in in uh, the United States. One of his good friends was Kate Chopin's husband, and they huh. traveled in the same circles, the same social circles in Uptown New Orleans. Right, well, they pretty was, old by that time, I guess. Um, she, yeah, I mean, it was, yeah, she was a, a yeah, that very much, yeah, because I want to say this is sixty-seven to seventy, uh, you know, that time frame. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, and she was around the turn of the century, so he would have been getting old by that point. He would have been getting but, old, and she was the young trophy wife, right? So yeah, right, that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, but anyway, just you said Chopin, it made me think of that weird yeah. New Orleans reference, but yeah, which is typical of us that there's always it's always two degrees of separation. Yeah, and then they say the Nazis in the area have moved up to Jefferson Parish with the <laughs> <laughs> my my boy, man. It's like oh God, I got yeah. It's like um, there are better people to speak to to speak to about David Duke. If you ever want to do things on David Duke, uh, call up uh, the national editor for Slate.com, Josh Levine. He went to his yeah. room and, you know, he, I like he went, Slate. it's like, was that yeah, he, the guy that did the podcast about Yes. Him? Yes. And, he, and he's in Louisiana, didn't he, from Baton Rouge in New Orleans, one of the two? He's from New Orleans. He's from yeah, uptown. He's from downtown he, someplace. Right. He's originally from here. Uh, he went to, uh, he went to Isidore Newman uh, uptown, which and I think he I think he is Jewish. I think that was you know it, it, it wasn't that long ago. You know, you, you go back you go back twenty years and, and Newman is still a you know fairly much a uh, a Jewish school as opposed to a Manning family school. You know, but because um, that's where all the boys went. Uh, with, oh right, with uptown private school and that whole bit. But anyway, po- point to it, Josh. Get ahead of the football team. <laughs> oh yeah, they, they, yeah, yeah. That young Arch is gonna do well at, at Texas. Let's just say that. But yeah, you wanna, you if you if you if you're gonna if you ever wanna do something on Duke, like that would be like multi-part. Uh, yeah. Talk to Josh because he, uh, oh, he he's a brilliant writer and uh, me too. Um, just for historical, you know, putting yeah. because you know. Yes. Uh, that's that's Dr. David Duke to you and me. The white people find from that quack that diploma mill over in Ukraine someplace, and his doctor. Oh yeah, his doctorate is worth about what Sharman is is worth. Sharman Twat's issue is worth. But Dr. David Duke, and it got to the point where your boy Rush Limbaugh was very miffed that Duke was calling himself Dr. David Duke. So on 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 his radio show. He would always say, you know, it's like, I need to become Dr. Limbaugh. Somebody needs to give me an honorary. He didn't want to earn anything, right? You know, like, yeah. So, yeah, Russia was always like, I need to become Dr. Limbaugh. Okay? You, never, you, you, just knew, you just knew it was jealousy when his when oh, yeah. voice started with Dr. David. Oh, David, you David Duke, man, I got, uh, I, got, I got anecdotal stories. I'm not, I'm, yeah, it's like I can't speak to him from a history standpoint. But man, I got personal stories about that guy. Yeah. If it had been up to the white voters in Louisiana, I think he would have become governor. Um, I think I so, for sure. But you know, uh, well, uh, the the big thing, one of the few things that that Louisiana Republicans have ever done right is when they got it together. 
And uh, listen to the, the, the slight podcast because they interview uh, they, they they interview uh, Kirby Newberger, who is his his uh, his son and my son are like tight from high school kind of thing. Kirby's the guy. Do you remember the slogan? Vote for the crook. It's important. Yes, I do. <laughs> Kirby Newberger is the guy who fronted the money. He he bought the first 500 bumper stickers, right? You know, and distributed all of that because and and Kirby is about as Republican as you can get. You know, like old school. You know, uh, Billy Nungesser Senior Republican well, kind of. You know, when we were young, the Republican Party in Louisiana was quite small and. Their, you know, their their hook, their uh, reason yeah. to vote for them was, uh, well, we may cut back your social programs a bit, but mainly what we want is honest government. Look at how corrupt Louisiana is. Right. Um, so they were good government. Uh, don't people like, uh, oh, Train? Wasn't Train a Republican? Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes. He was not insane like they are today. No. Oh no no no! This is this is the what was it? Country Club Republicans was the yes the, exactly. the, the name for that, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. Now you know it's like you, you mentioned Dave Treen. Of course, the, uh, the 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 Senate race. Uh, well, no, it was a legislative race. It's the the one race that David Duke won was for. I want to say it's Louisiana eighty nine. Maybe it's Louisiana 81. It's the it's the the Bucktown Old Metairie Legislative District, right. and uh, and it's the one race that Duke won, and he ran it. He ran against Dave Treen's brother John. Oh, how about that? Yeah, and what the the one of the ultimate quotes from that it's like say uh, listen to the Slate podcast on this is incredible because it really does lay it all out in a good chrono, in a good chronology. But the, the the ultimate quote from that race, or the, the the most memorable thing for those of us who you know who, who lived you know in you know in in Jefferson Parish, was a comment from the late Harry Lee, where he said he you know like somebody asked him, what do you think about this legislative race in Old Metairie, and Lee shrugs his shoulders and he says, you've got a choice between a bigot and an asshole, <laughs> and he's talking about the governor's brother. <laughs> and well, you know, I, I didn't know the guy, but you know, you kind of get the idea. Uh, <laughs> well, in Louisiana, we kind of prefer them to be both, like a, a I think land so, for, for the um, this attorney yeah. general who's been oh, the governor for his whole life. Yeah, remember, encourage everyone to call the tip line and out Republicans uh, rather than librarians. Right, we're going to be yeah, you know, banishing. Yeah, he's got that tip line. It's like, yeah, it's like if your if is your librarian feeding critical race theory to your child, call my tip line. You know, yeah, like, I'm not kidding. You know, it's oh like, no, yeah, I'm saying we, yeah. need, we need to call and it. And he, was, he was exploiting uh, immigrant labor. You recall down there, on right? The down down around Cameron or down you know below Cameron. I guess yeah, it's right there at Sabine Pass. Yeah, literally good supporting flood. migrant labor or immigrant labor. We should flood I, the um, his tip line with bogus tips. Sometimes the <laughs> swingers do that. They'll just, you know, yeah, be I know. There's like, eighty of them. We, be from we, bogus. we could be bad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I, I honestly think, and, and again, you need 
yeah, you, you need to have our, our political usual suspects to talk about the, the, the you know, next year's race. Right. I, I, every time I read something lately about Landry, I get the feeling like he's going to implode long before qualifying. You know, it's kind of well, like, it's like when Vitter wanted to run for governor and Murphy Foster wanted to run for governor, but Foster had Vitter's file. <laughs> you know, it's like, I really think that that's going to, I, yeah, I, I, I think for all his bluster, I think there's going to be one of those backroom come to Jesus meetings and, uh, and the Republicans, you know, it's like Democrats aren't going to do anything about this, but you know, right. this is where the, 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 the you know, they're, there's going to be that, that meeting going, my, my brother, this is not your year. You know, that kind of thing. Right. You could use that because he would be awful. He, he reminds me of Bobby Jindal when he was. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he always had his sights oh. on bigger things. Everything was a stepping stone. There was nothing he wanted right. to do but be president. Uh, yeah. Where somebody was talking about uh, the, the, the high-speed rail from uh, – Baton Rouge to New Orleans, isn't it? Baton Rouge to New Orleans and how, yeah. you know, it's like he refused to take the check from, from, uh, from Obama and everything. And, and he's black. So you must have missed the fact that Obama yeah. was black. That Obama, yes. Yeah, like, I still refer to it, I still refer to it capitalized as the black guy. And everybody knows exactly who I'm talking about. <laughs> but, um, but something came up the other day because I, I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a bit of a railroad nut, you know, and, uh, Something right. came up about uh, oh, it was the Kansas City Southern thing that they're you know trying to you know um, John Bell's trying to to to, to, to jumpstart this, but through less through government and more through uh, uh, you know Canadian National wants to acquire you know they've already acquired Illinois Central they want to acquire Kansas City Southern and they're trying to leverage some of that popularity uh, that that desire uh, into you know, into something, you know, into getting the, you know, passenger rail going again. But, yeah, it's like I keep saying to people, you know, we would have had that in 2010, except for, you know, bro bro Brother Bobby here, you know. Uh, anyway, yes. Well, and, I mean, look at, um, you know, Louisiana is supposed to be a energy creator. The next yeah. step is coming because eventually we'll run out of oil and gas anyway, even if we mm -hmm. keep burning it. and. Yeah, you know, you got people like Clay Higgins making sure that none of the Green New Deal gets down to South Louisiana. We'll never put a exactly guys off of an oil rig, have them start climbing up wind, you know, yeah, wind towers. Well, you know, one of the things one of the things about that though, and it's 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 climate and geography, but you know, climate more than anything is uh, you know you're you you are not going to you know you're not going to see uh, electrification of railroads down here because we have wind that knocks down wires. You know, oh, right. it's like, it's, it's, I'm serious. Like, you know, it's like, you know, the yep. whole Northeast corridor is electrified for, you know, for, uh, you know, for both, um, Amtrak and for, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, freight, uh, traffic up there. But in particular, Amtrak is, you know, just so electrified up there. But yeah, you know, it's like, it would be nice to do that down here, but can, you know, how much is overhead wire gonna, gonna last on, you know, that, that, you know, whole, um, Southern Pacific run from right. here to, and well, and you have you have yeah. the do you still have the rail line that runs west out of New Orleans? Was it called a Sunset yes. Special? But it runs to Houston, doesn't Sun, it? The Sunset Limited runs still. Okay. Amtrak still runs it all the way to Los Angeles. See, we had 
uh, for younger listeners who may not know this, we had rail serve, passenger rail service across North Louisiana for ages. Right. Uh, people, I mean, right. In fact, I think on two different lines, but I know that there was a there was a north south line. Uh, there was a line, if you can believe, that ran through Jonesboro. You could hop the train and come up here from Jonesboro yep. to go back. We had kids, is, we had the, kids doing that, but there was the also Southern Bell. Well, there was passenger rail across. You know, what's parallel to I twenty. It's the case right. case again, Kansas City Southern. Right. Yeah. The north south was the uh, was uh, what they you know, in the day they called them name trains in terms yeah. of passenger rail and. Uh, Kansas City Southerns was New Orleans to Kansas City. It was called the Southern Bell. <coughs> and we yeah, oh yeah, the, we had the Vicksburg, Shreveport, and Pacific, the VST, yeah. which had run here was fondly called the Very Slow and Pokey. <laughs> <laughs> I like well, that. Well, the, the Illinois Central ran right through my grandparents' <laughs> old property, and yeah. I remember we had come uh, we had come back up here from I think, or maybe had moved back up here from Baton Rouge, but my family were all from up here. From okay. along Highway Two area, right below, you know, right below the state line with Arkansas, up towards North Lincoln Parish, Union Parish, that area. And so, anyway, my granddad had seeded. It wasn't a big. He had 450 some odd acres, 475 acres total, but he had seeded a very small portion of that. I think it was not over, probably not over 25 to 50 acres to Illinois Central to put bust the railroad through the, the north south line that ran south on into Ruston and, like I said, down to Jonesboro and I think probably Alexandria. Yeah, and, that makes and sense. Yeah, yeah and when they went under when I was in high school. Or at least that, that portion of it did. It went belly up. Yeah. And so we immediately got that property back. And I said to my dad, well, why was that? And he said that was part of the contract. When they, when his dad, when my granddad signed that thing way back in the Depression, probably, he said probably, they would yeah. have to revert back to the original owners or their heirs. Owner, if, they, if the railroad folded. That makes yeah, yeah, exactly. And they, they, they folded, yeah. so we got that little allotment back. I'll be there. Yeah. Gentlemen, this has been fun, but my wife is waving at me. I got a scoot. All right. Thanks so much. Yeah. For, um, and I would say, would you tell us if they want to try the Militon and aren't in the New Orleans area, how can you get a hold of them uh, where you live? Oh, I, you know, I, I mean, you can go to the seed catalogs and grow your own. Well, now, that was getting the follow-up suggestion because uh, right. Bert- I don't know. I mean, like here, just go to Zapatos, right? You know, I guess right. I could open up a open up a side gig, you know, and buy yep. out buy out Joey's uh, Militons and then sell them to people in 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 Canada or something. I, yeah, yeah, I don't, you know, I, I mean, you know, Harry and David have been doing fresh fruit for a million years. If, if they certainly would ship, right. so. Uh, I you know I I I oh, I'll tell you what you know certainly by the time you drop this we'll have an answer because I will go dig on this. I've got a friend up in Maine and I just sent her four melatons you know, to eat. But sure, it's kind of cool. I'm, but you'd have to have a cultivar that would live that far north. It's probably going to be a little bit different from the ones we have around here. So. Absolutely, it would it would definitely. Uh, I'm, I'm sure in that cold in in that climate it would mutate, but certainly. Well, like I said, we will have an answer by the time you, that 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 you air this, that you drop this, because now you got me curious. I have, you know, sometimes so tell the people we, where they where they can find you online, and then we'll let you hop off. Oh my, yes, thank you, um, Nola History Guy, on all social media, as well as Edward at Nola History Guy. NolaHistoryGuy.com is the website. Edward at NolaHistoryGuy.com is is a good email. 
if you type in NOLA History Guy three words on Facebook, you get the page, and then uh, Twitter, and now Mastodon. I'm NOLA History Guy as well. Yeah, so. I've been hearing about that. Yeah. Yeah, it's so it's something a, you ever. Bruce yeah, um, friend, and, and he's actually an old friend of mine from years ago. Teaches down at LSUA, and he has joined Mastodon. I mean, he's he's, he's strictly kind of watching the, what other people do right now to kind of learn by. Yeah. So he hasn't really. It's like I don't, yeah, I don't think he's really done much of anything yet. But when my when my teaching fizzles down again, I get like two weeks in a row where I'm you know not on the headset and, and doing the computer stuff. I intend to make a Mastodon server and then uh-huh. you know call it like uh, you know at nolahistoryguy.com. And make kind of a New Orleans slash Louisiana Mastodon instance, which would be, be sure fun to do. Send us a uh, invitation, and if we can figure out the technology, we'll follow you. <laughs> yeah, that's one. Absolutely. Yeah. I had stayed on Twitter uh, just to kind of watch what was going on, and also so I can harass Nazis and other. Oh yeah, my my view uh, list is extensive. Yeah, I, I the public opprobrium, you know. Right. I stay on Twitter because of the press, you know, and the, 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 the TV folks, you know, it's like, you know, of, of all of our local media. Hello, Morgan Lentis, uh, WDSU Morgan. Uh, she's, she's, she's become a streetcar junkie. She's from Ohio, but we have, we have corrupted her. But then she's a Channel 6 person. Uh, and, and, and of course, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, and the other thing too is I don't, you know, I don't know if Bob Mann's ever going to, Give up his Twitter. Yeah, he set up on Mastodon. I don't know if he's ever going to. I mean, come on. He's got a book coming out about Huey. You know, it's like he can't leave. He can't, you know, he, he, his market. He's like me. He's got books to sell, right? But, well, he's, yeah, his brand is established on Twitter. So, you know, that's why we're not moving off of it. We make ads, Mastodon. Right. We can't. Absolutely. Yeah. Twitter. Well, thank you so much. Oh, wait, be, be sure to say something to Charlotte uh, Jones or whatever. Oh, I, yes, I, I did. I tried to do the the formal Victorian introduction, but I brought. I, I, you know, it's like it's like Bruce Charlotte, Charlotte. but she's right. so. Be- I will. I'll beat her up a little bit, you know, and uh, and get her to answer you guys because she probably doesn't fully. She doesn't fully appreciate. And she'll talk your ear off. That's the beautiful thing about yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, good idea. Yeah, That's what guys, I really, I, I love coming back. You know that yeah. it's like, you know, you get somebody drops dead just before showtime or something. Just call me. I'll <laughs> talk about something. <laughs> you know, one of our. I always tell that. That's I do that with the the, the friends of the Cabildo tour guys. I, uh-huh. I have a standing thing that if they give me a day's warning, I will come. You know. So cool. anyway, I appreciate it a lot, though. Yeah, you bet. You bet. Thanks so much, Ed. This has been great, and I feel like we've righted a great injustice against the <laughs> Talking about the Militon, yes. <laughs> yeah, you're a Militon. All right. I'm, I'm, I got to scoot because my wife right. is, yeah, she's getting mad at me. So thanks so much, and All I'll right. talk to you guys Bye. later. Okay. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. We want to thank Ed for coming on our podcast the last couple of weeks, and he's been one of our frequent guests. I don't know how many times, but... um. He always has such good stuff to say when he comes on and vast wealth uh, in breadth of knowledge. He's the New Orleans history guy, I believe, uh, online. Yeah, yeah he's kind of kind of a workhorse. I mean, he's turned yeah. out quite a lot of books over the past mm-hmm. probably probably more than a decade, wouldn't you say? I mean, yeah, he's been writing yeah. quite a while. 
He has. Well, for the Lucian Anthology Podcast, I'm Bruce McGee. And I'm Steve Payne. We certainly do want to thank Ed for stopping by with us this week and uh, kind of educating us and hopefully some of you about uh, about the Melaton. If you if you can find these things, you know, go out. You know, if you see them, you know, if they're listed as some of the some of the produce in your market, go and get some. If you can't get them, uh, I don't know. Is there any place that people can mail order those things, Bruce? Have you you could heard probably about get them through? Um, no, might have better luck finding them as Chayote. C-H-A-Y-O-T-E, which is the uh, Latin or the Spanish word. Yeah, um, yeah. And, you know, you may be able to find them locally in a, a Spanish food or Hispanic food uh, re- uh, um, grocery store. But um, Right, yeah. But, yeah but, and most all of the larger cities in the state do have a, you know, some kind of a Latin market. I mean, there's mm-hmm. even a small one here in Ruston of all places. We've got one. I know there's one in Monroe. And I think there's a, actually, there's a couple of them over there. There's one in West Monroe and one in Monroe. And I think there's probably more than one in the Shreveport and Bossier area. So, again, and I'm sure there's some, you know, some large ones down in South Louisiana in different, you know, larger cities. Nothing else can go online and order them. I bet Amazon would have them. Um, I brought 10 pounds home with me for Christmas. So, uh, you holler at me. I may have a few extra. (laughs) <laughs> How many was that for 10, 10 pounds? About, they're about a pound each, you know, maybe a little more, a little less, but, you know, roughly, you know, a pound a, a, a million. So you had 10, 10 to a dozen of the of the. Yeah, I think, were, yeah, I think I got 10, but. You know, I was counting in the bag after I got them, so who knows how many are in there. <laughs> and for the Lizian Anthology Podcast, I'm Bruce McGee. And I'm Steve Payne. Again, thank you, Ed, for stopping in. Uh, we also want to thank all of you for listening in this week and for joining us for these uh, last couple of episodes as we've marked our 500th and 501st uh, uh, entries in the podcast. So thanks to all of you, and we hope that you'll join us for next week's edition of the Louisiana Anthology Podcast. Bye for now.